Hey everyone, my name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another special episode of Make Ours Marvel called Not Comics. This is Not Comics episode, I want to say seven. Definitely seven. Seven, uh, where we take a somewhat monthly, I think it's been a little while since the last one, somewhat monthly look at something in the Marvel Universe that is Not Comics. And recently there was a new Marvel movie, not an MCU movie, but a Spider-Man universe movie, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sony's doing something with their market. I don't know how they're marketing this, if they're calling it a Spider-Man movie. Oh, they're not, but it is. But we are, of course, talking about Venom. It is a Spider-Man movie. It's a Spider-Verse movie. I mean, if you're a Spider-Man fan, it's a Spider-Man movie. Okay, that works for me. Right? I guess. How could it not be? So here with us, you just heard his voice pop in there. Here with us talk about this is a man who was... Um, to my understanding, pretty heavily into the Venom-related comics back in the day, whenever that was all the rage. Um, this was five minutes before I stopped reading comics. So, uh, um, comics fan extraordinaire, new to podcasting as far as I know, Mr. Joseph Rollins. Hey, Joe. Hey, guys. Glad to be on the uh, the podcast this evening. Yeah, I was super into Venom back in the day. He was definitely my hero of choice, anti-hero at the time. Um and, you know, to liken him to something today that, you know, people might familiarize themselves with, he was kind of like a Walter White type character of the time. He, he had no reason to, you know, back this guy that was, you know, eating people's brains out. But for some reason, you couldn't help it. You know, he was <laughs> he was he was awesome for the time. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be part of this. I'm hoping I can bring some comics knowledge to, you know, our discussion on the movie and Easter eggs and things like that. Um, it's going to be a good time. So. Um... Were you reading Venom whenever he was first introduced and amazing, like back in the late 80s? I picked up Venom when he was already kind of his own miniseries character. I think the first comics that I owned were the License to Kill series, um, which is going to come up in in some of this discussion as well. But also like when they had already spun out trades of separation anxiety and things like that. I've just been loading up a lot of those things on the iPad. So those are in my near future reading, but I have not read them yet. Cool. Um, Mike, what about you? Were you, when you were, re- cause you were reading X-Men a lot in the nineties. Did you read any Venom or Spider-Man with Venom in it? Oh uh, yeah. I think I've said my brother was a big Spider-Man fan. So he was, he would collect the Spider-Man stuff and I was collecting everything else. So I have read, I was there quote unquote reading in real time when the symbiote was first discovered in secret wars. Mm-hmm. And when Spider-Man wore the, swore the symbiote for a while until he found out what it really was and what it was doing to him. And I got through maybe like the first couple venom appearances. I think when it was still amazing, Spider-Man is still Todd McFarlane. Um, and he was full on a villain. Um, and then maybe, maybe I want to say a little bit was like the first, was it a mini series or the first time he had his own title was like Mark Bagley. And I want to say it was a mini series. Yeah, Venom Lethal Protector was his first. Yeah, right, Venom yeah, Lethal yeah. Protector. So that's when I was starting to wane off of comic books around there. So I was there when he started becoming less of a straight-up villain. Like, his popularity led to him becoming not just a villain, but, you know, maybe right. an, an anti-hero of some kind. But that's about as far as I've got with him. I know of Carnage. I think maybe I've even browsed through that. I don't know of any other symbiotes, like Riot, apparently, or, you know, whatever else. Um, I don't know what's happened to Eddie Brock since... I'm sure he's come and gone, you know, came and went multiple times, like all comic books. Right. But, uh, yeah, I knew him as a villain and he was a really good villain. So I came into comics, uh, around three forty one of amazing. And by that time, Venom had had his first big splash. Okay. Um, and I remember, uh, the first Venom story that was in amazing after I started collecting the, I had a subscription. Because once I realized I could get Amazing Spider-Man new every month and it could come right to my house, I ordered that subscription. Thing is, the comics that I got through subscription were always late. That was like a while to get there. And the Venom issue was over a month late. I got 345 after I already got 346. (laughs) Um, So it took that long to get there. But I remember reading it. I remember being really, really uh, enthused by it. And what I really remember is uh, Eddie Brock being in prison with Cletus Cassidy. And Cletus was this crazy um, multi-serial killer. 
and the symbiote comes and rescues Eddie from the jail cell. And after they leave, there's this one panel of a black drippy drippy in the uh, wreckage of the wall. And you have no idea what that means until like a year and a half later when Carnage shows up. So I I read that too. So that must've been about when I was leaving nineties. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Carnage comes and uh, does his first big thing. And then, it's around Maximum Carnage that Venom is starting to hit yeah. his own series. Right. Carnage and Cardiac. If I remember right. That's all I can think about when it comes to those, when that, that era, that Cardiac guy. <laughs> I don't know whatever happened to him. But and uh, there was also around uh, that time, uh, I'm guessing 96, 97, there were a bunch of Spider-Man books that came out that featured Venom. Um, like full-blown novels that were really good at the time. Oh, I've heard about those. So yeah, he was making m- multiple media splashes at the time. It was just a insane character for popularity right and during maximum carnage and afterward you had lots and lots of symbiote different characters and um i mean even as recently as bendis's uh, avengers run they were using lots of symbiotes there was like attack of the symbiotes and mm-hmm. all the avengers got symbiotified and of oh, course really? now wow. yeah yeah for at least an, a, a small story arc the avengers were all you know controlled by symbiotes and now they have i mean the spider family of titles is so wide and plethora, you know, various today that I don't even know what all is going on with the different symbiotes and venom and everything, but we can focus more on the movie and the stuff that relates more directly to that. Well, and just to not do that, there was one more thing that always pops in my brain when you guys say venom or anybody says venom, there was an awesome, what if like venom was a parasite, not a symbiote or something like that. And pretty much possessed the entire Marvel universe by the end of this one issue. So if you've never read that, it's fun to pick up if you want to see like the Hulk as a symbiote and Thor as a symbiote and stuff like that. Not a symbiote, a parasite. Oh, cool. So, um, movie has come out. The, the critical response, I have never seen such a huge gap between critical response and fan response that actually seems for the fan response to be outweighing the critics and just like the, the loudness of the voice. I don't know if that's just my, my own little, you know, chamber of the internet that I'm in. But it feel like the fan enjoyment of this movie is really loud and really big. Did y'all enjoy yeah. it? Joe, did you enjoy the film? I, I totally enjoyed it. I, I took a, a day off work. Um, <clears throat> I was sick, um, actually, to go see this movie because I've been waiting for it forever. I, every once in a while, I would see a, like a Venom poster pop up and always look, you know, just slightly enough that maybe it was some weird, you know, take on the character uh, for, a, for a movie poster coming out. But no, it was that same, sadly never the Marvel Venom. It was just some stupid, you know, horror movie called Venom or something. Um, so I was pretty stoked to see it was coming out. And, you know, I went and saw it. It For a standalone movie, I thought it was great. I think they did a good job and told a couple of friends about it. And they're like, well, we're not going to see it because the critical response is terrible. And I'm, you know, I'm just kind of like blown away. Like, like what? Like, this is better than, you know, sorry, John, most of the DC movies that I've seen. This movie just as a standalone film was, you know, great for a comic movie. Uh, I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand why everybody's hating so much. Sucking the uh, Elon Musk teat, I guess, maybe. <laughs> what about you, Mike? What was your response when you saw it? Because you just saw it as we're recording this, like within the last 24 hours. Well, just to prove your point, I looked up Rotten Tomatoes real fast, and the re- critics are at 30%, and the audience is at 88%. So that's a weird dichotomy. Usually it's the other way around, actually. But uh, I wasn't excited to see it, I'll admit. Like, I really only saw it because I quote unquote have to for the show. Cause that's, <laughs> that, that's, that's the world we've made. You know, we've decided to cover every new Marvel movie and I'm fine with that. I, otherwise I probably would have, I, you know, these days there's so many superhero movies. You can be pickier, you know, 20 years ago I would have seen it for sure. But uh, now it's like, Oh, I could wait for Netflix on that one or whatever. Um, and I saw it and, uh, 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 you know, I'd give it a B. I liked it. There were definitely parts I liked. It didn't blow my socks off. Again, I think I probably could have waited. But uh, yeah, there were parts that I really enjoyed. I actually liked it more than I thought I would, maybe. Well, it was. I felt like it was sold as being a somewhat moody, like, suspense thriller. And oh, it sort of feels the, like the that at the beginning. Trailer. Yeah. But it becomes a... It, it's, it, it's, I think comedy is too strong a word. It's a darkish comedy, kind of. Yeah. 
but there's a lot more humor and and lightheartedness. So many scenes and so many elements that could be played as really dark and intense psychologically, Tom Hardy sends up. And it ends up being fun mm-hmm. in ways I wasn't entirely expecting. For sure. The trailer definitely does not represent the mood, I don't think. I think a lot of Marvel movies have kind of taken off on a, a butterfly effect from Guardians of the Galaxy in a way with that. The way with it, Thor Ragnarok was so much more fun, you know, than what it could have been. Much more of like a battle scene, intense type movie. Um, same thing here, I think, that they're finding ways to bring in humor with comics that don't make it campy and stupid, um, which was more of a problem, it seemed, with like 90s superhero movies. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's, it's good to see that coming about, like full force, being able to be comedic in a comic movie without making it dumb. And, but that's a, that's what uh, 90s comics did. Like, you know, what I remember of the Venom series and stuff like that is, you know, it, it, would ne- it rarely got super intense. It was often, you know, played light. This movie has Venom's symbiote eating entire people, and the movie is almost entirely bloodless. Right. It's PG-13, yeah, which Which, I thought was kind of a weird choice, but I guess they're trying to get more people to watch it. It'll be interesting to see if they continue with the uh, Carnage follow-up, if they'll keep that rating or not. With the... uh... With the sideshow Bob wig on. Right. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm assuming, Mike, that you stayed for the end. Yes. Did you stay for the Spider-Verse scene? Uh, Were there two endings? Yes. Well, Well, the second one's not really an ending. It's it's, if you say after the credits, there is like a five minute clip of Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, no, I didn't. Okay. That's fine. Uh, It's unrelated. Okay. Um, All Uh, right. So. Yeah, getting into the movie some, or I don't don't know what you know how you want to take this, John. We gotta play these by ear, so go for it. Um, One of the things I want to talk about was the eating um, in the movie because I never really saw exactly what he was munching on. That were were we just chewing on heads in the movie and leaving bodies behind? That seemed to be kind of the feel. That seemed like what it was, but at the same time, he seemed to think that these bodies had like good kidneys to eat and stuff. So it's like, if he's only right. eating the, if he's only eating the head, what's he getting out of it? Just the brain, right. I guess. Well, they actually brought up something in the old comics and the license to kill series that the venom symbiote supposedly needed phenylalanine, I think is the way you pronounce the chemical name phenylalanine. And mm-hmm. in order to keep him from being kill crazy when he's, you know, becoming anti-hero guy, they would just feed him massive amounts of chocolate because supposedly the human brain contains lots of phenylalanine and chocolate contains lots of phenylalanine. And I was always, I I found out around the time that diet Coke contains phenylalanine. And that was like one of the things that got me to change from being, you know, fat middle school, Joseph and a little bit of a leaner Joseph swapping over to diet Coke because God damn it. Venom drank phenylalanine. Wow. (laughs) Venom made you fitter. Yeah. Amazing. Right? Yeah. I wouldn't have seen that coming. But yeah, supposedly that's why he eats brains and eats heads. He has a favorite for it because supposedly it's a um, a reservoir for it. Um, I looked up the, the the chemical and supposedly it's a precursor to building dopamine and um, adrenaline and noradrenaline. Interesting. Yeah, I... I don't really pay attention to what parts of the bodies he was eating versus not eating. I just, I noticed that he didn't go around asking for brains. Right. Which. No, but they did talk about he needs to stop biting heads off. Yeah. So didn't you just bite that guy's heads off? Oh my God. He just bit that guy's head off, you know, pile of bodies, pile of heads at the end when he kills the, uh, the, you know, the protector or the, you know, protection money racket guy. Uh, there's definitely a body left behind. So yeah, it was just the head. I think. Anyway, but it was a matter of having to to eliminate some of possible brain eating dialogue to keep the PG thirteen rating, right? Because censors are weird for that sort of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So since we're on the PG thirteen, do you think that helps or hurts the movie? Like, what if they went full on Deadpool with it and go ahead and give you all the gore you want? You know, would that have been better or worse? What do you think, Joseph? Uh, John and I both teach you know middle school, um, and all of our kids have seen Deadpool by now. It's it, nothing's holding them back from watching it. But I, I do think if we're trying to reach, you know, a broad audience, keeping it PG 13 also helps places like target Walmart build up, you know, a toy collection to sell and the merchandising and all that kind of stuff too. 
Um, which is another point I was going to bring up in terms of accessibility to Venom. Uh, I noticed that Target had an end cap the other day that was totally, you know, Venom toys, Carnage toys, which I couldn't imagine like my local Walmart selling back in the day because they're much, you know, more evil of a character. And I remember Walmart used to have lots of conflicts with that kind of thing. Like they wouldn't sell magic cards at one point because it was, you know, it was devilish in the witchcraft. Uh, but it was just cool to see these characters become mainstream. I'm guessing, you know, keeping it PG-13 probably has a hand to play in that. If you've got a movie where, you know, it's not blood and gore constantly and brains sucking through straws and stuff, you've got characters that parents don't mind buying and that helps push the brand along, which, you know, might get us another movie. It's interesting because a, a movie rating is is so much more than just describing what's in this film. Movie rating, like you said, ha- is going to influence marketing. It's going to influence other companies' desire to license the product. It's going to influence what distributors will carry product. Um, it's the kind of thing where Marvel doesn't want some of their characters to appear in rated M for mature comic stories because they don't want to mix up the branding. Spider-Man is supposed to be accessible to you know, kids, teens, and at most, teens plus. But you don't put right. Spider-Man in, like, say, Alias. You know, right. Spider-Man is not going to be in the book where the first word is the F-bomb. So, um, same thing here. Venom, as a PG-13 film, remains super accessible to a wide variety of licensing and marketing and audiences. And yet he still turns eight foot tall, has snarling teeth, and bites people's heads off. Right? So Which- How? <laughs> you know but it's like, car- at this point know. it's cartoons because i guess you can get that kind of action on an episode of steven universe that's right. true yeah yeah the fact that it's all computer animated i think also helps is that it's it's animated violence it's stylized violence it's not bloody gory violence mm-hmm. i mean friday the 13th part two has like three teaspoons of blood in it and i think it still had more blood than this movie did yes this movie had zero blood i'm pretty sure no, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. It kind of felt like the old, uh, the the Fox animated Spider-Man series. Because you had Venom and Carnage in that show as well. And they would make bladed weapons and stuff with their with their symbiotes. But you never saw people being hacked to pieces. It was just more of a, a cool way to punch somebody with this sickle sword thing, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or in the X-Men cartoon, Wolverine has these lethal swords that come out of his wrists exactly. and he never uses them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Unless it's a robot, then he's right. slashing away. Right. Robots yeah. or doors to yeah. me, but, but not. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about some characters. Let's talk about Eddie Brock. Um, of course, his backstory has been drastically changed for this instead of a reporter who messed up on his facts and, um, was exposed by, you know, Spider-Man getting the real bad guy, which is what happened in the comics. This guy is actually pursuing the truth and is sabotaged by more powerful people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get the feeling, you still get the, the emotional beat of him losing his career yeah. and Venom helping mm-hmm. him out. But I think Eddie comes out a better person for it all. Still a bit of a schmo but a better person than he was in their comics. Well, he also did snoop his girlfriend's computer, which right. got, got that whole ball rolling. So in a way you could still say his actions ruined his life, which right. I think is a, a good, important part of it. But yeah, you're right. He's not like purposely trying to lie or be a bad person or he has no one to blame. Well, there's no Peter Parker to blame. I guess he blames the, uh, the main bad guy, whoever that is. I can't remember his name now, but, uh, Carlton Drake. Yeah, so like if you take five steps back, like the general overall idea of Eddie Brock is still kind of there. This guy who was a reporter, and because of his own actions, he screws up his life and ruins everything. And uh, yeah, but he's not a ba- he's not a villain, obviously. I think it improves his likability the the route they went with this movie. Mm-hmm. You can sympathize with him more. Oh, definitely. And it, you know, he kind of by invading his wife's privacy, he does make a huge misstep in that relationship. But the fact that he's generally still a pretty likable guy, it makes it believable for her to come back to him later. Right. Um, he is so zany in this, though. Um, yes. When he's trying to deal with the alien symbiote, and it's just like he goes into the he goes into the restaurant 
And I like to think that this wasn't even Venom. This is just Tom Hardy. He's like, oh, there's a tank of lobsters. Guys, I, I think I have to get to the lobster tank now. Right. So um, this, this is oh. happening. Just so you know, I'm going in the lobster tank. And he goes in the lobster tank. I'd love to have known how many takes that took to have people not just, you know, cracking up to see Tom Hardy <laughs> screaming about jumping in a lobster tank. I'd like to think it was quite a few. And then he eats the lobster. Yeah. Starts cracking them open. <laughs> I feel like he was kind of zany before he even got infected. Just a bit. A little bit. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess he's a street reporter. So in a way, he's supposed to be kind of on the edge and all that. But yeah, he was a little all over the place. It's almost like they knew there'd be a lot of kids in the audience because it's not an R-rated film. It is PG-13. You're going to have lots of kids out there. And and Venom's not on the screen really at all that much. No. So you got to do more yeah. stuff to keep the keep the kids entertained. And I think it worked out well. So much better than other attempts at doing the same kind of thing like, you know, Jar Jar Binks. Um, <laughs> but anyways. Um let's let's talk about Carlton Drake because this was the part of the movie that just tanked it for me. And if anything did, okay, I, I was not a big fan of the villain. Why is that? He just didn't come off strong. Um, maybe it would have like with a better act, an actor swap out or something. He just didn't, uh, I didn't feel threatened by him really. Um, and and when I should have felt threatened, uh, I, you know, I kind of did when he, you know, he takes the, his assistant and he throws her in to get fed to the symbiote and stuff. I, I just felt like I, I could have been chilled even more by somebody else. Um, I love the tie-in to Elon Musk and stuff because obviously that's who this guy is trying to represent in terms of who he's playing out. At least that was my thoughts on things. And um, but I, I just didn't feel like the actor himself did a great job. What do you think, Mike? Um. He did good exposition. I think maybe you're right that I didn't feel particularly threatened by him all that much. Although I really, I did like that scene where he just so subtly asks a scientist girl, like, how's your kids or whatever, like that kind of, Oh yeah. That that, was that hit me a little bit. Like he's very subtle about his threats, but they all know what those mean. Um, I think motivation was my biggest issue. Like, I don't really know what he wanted. I mean, I right. know what he want. I know what he wanted once he found the symbiotes, but that was an accident from what I understand. Like they weren't out there looking for symbiotes this whole time. They were out there trying to conquer space. And it's like, why does he usually when people want to conquer space and, um, you know, learn things that we don't know and gain more knowledge and intelligence. They're also, they're also like people who like humans. Um, mm -hmm. and he doesn't seem to at all. He thinks we're all parasites and horrible and wouldn't really care if the entire planet burned. So what is his motivation? Does he want to just, you know, live on Mars by himself? Did he want to conquer space as the new leader of the universe? Uh, what? It couldn't the, be that the, he just wanted to be smarter because that didn't seem, he seemed like he had everything he wanted right? in terms of, in terms of intelligence and money. So what did he want? I guess they never really drove that home for me. In the comics, he, the whole life foundation ordeal was trying to develop their own, symbiote uh you know army basically they had five guys that were all different colors kind of like a power ranger squad and the uh -huh. idea was they needed venom to teach them how to control their symbiotes was the okay. story in the comics um so maybe it had a little more of a purpose in terms of you know what they're doing with these things but i agree it, it was weird in the in the movie as far as you know what what, what what's our ultimate goal here and then when you combine him with riot it doesn't help because then you wonder what Riot's ultimate goal is, is why would Riot want to invade a planet where they can't survive without uh, linking to things that only work like 2% of the time? And those things are also things they have to eat. So eventually humans will all be right. extinct. Eventually humans will all be extinct and they'll just die because they can't breathe our air. So why do they even want this planet? You know? Yeah, Riot Venom. None of them talked about, you know, what was wrong with their planet in terms of why they'd want to leave. At least I don't remember hearing anything about that. Exactly. So I think that could have been a little more uh, like a, maybe a third pass on the script or something. Well, the Give whole thing something. about, you know, the symbiotes leaving their planet is something that we didn't get a, a single shred of expansion on until I think the Clone Saga when they did that Planet of the Symbiotes story arc through maybe the specials. Because... Um, 
from Venom's first or, or the symbiote's first appearance in 1986 until the Clone Saga in 1994, five and six. There, there's no background on the symbiote. It no, it was like just it, it was just this thing that Spider-Man found on the Secret Wars world, and he thought it was a costume. Right. He thought it was an alien costume. So he put it on and he was like, oh, this is so cool. And he took it home. That's all we knew about it. Yeah. So I, I and think we it's also okay. didn't have multiple points of access for other alien entities. It was all just, you know, Venom and all his children over time. Right. Just one point of access. Where in this movie, I think they said they found it on an asteroid. All these. And, yeah. All yeah, these different aliens. Multiple symbiotes crashed. We, we got to know two of them, but. You know, am I misremembering the movie? Is it conceivable that there are more symbiotes out there? They said there was millions, I thought, or something. Right. They need to get so, back home and so Riot was back gonna, on a rocket. Yeah, Riot was going to go back home on that rocket, fill it up with symbiotes, and come back. And Venom wanted to stop him because otherwise he'd destroy the world that he liked. Because he was a loser. That's not the other thing. So now let's talk about Venom's motive. Like, I still, that also was like. Like the thing about this movie that makes it not necessarily an A plus for me is like kind of the motivations. I just don't they don't really get into like why Venom is a loser or even why Venom is interested in saving Earth. He says because of you, Eddie, but there wasn't a lot of scenes where like my favorite scenes in the movie are the bromance scenes. <laughs> yeah. I love the bromance between yeah. Venom and Eddie. I hope if there's a sequel we get way uh, more of that. Way more dude, of that. Tumblr has taken off so completely with the idea of Eddie and the symbiote having a full on sexual relationship. Oh, like God. Eddie is totally frogging that symbiote and the symbiote's <laughs> totally frogging Eddie. <laughs> and that's just how they are now. This is their life they have chosen for each other. Well, outside of Tumblr's weirdness, I just like that they're just <laughs> friends. Okay. That's fine. I thought that was the, the best scenes were when they were like communicating with each other. Um, and, and, and Eddie wasn't just like this thing that the symbiote was pulling around. Like the best scenes were when they started working together and talking first, to each other. The first time the symbiote talks, it's just like, rah, 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 rah. you know, it's like, just like this big <laughs> voice out of nowhere. And it's like, what, what, what is that? And, it, and that's kind of what Tom Hardy does at the same time. I was like, Eddie's like, what, what did I just hear? And my brain immediately goes to how is this thing speaking English? Why is he talking to Eddie in such a monstrous voice? How is he even talking to Eddie? You know, why does he not only speak English, but like thoroughly like dialectical, totally native English. Yeah. Uh, Cause he's a symbiote and it totally works. If you just like, yeah. Oh, you know what? It's a telepathic connection. So all, right. the, all the language perfectly crossed. It makes sense that he's, he sounds like Eddie only, you know, deeper. More monstrous, but but he only, talks like Eddie. You know? Death clocky. You know he doesn't have like a British accent to Eddie's like New York accent. Like they sound right. they sound the same and talk the same. That's where he knows. That's why he knows to call himself a loser. I guess where probably that's not how he would talk if he was sitting on his asteroid with the symbiote friends. Oh, that's a good point. I haven't thought about that in terms but, of sympathizing with Eddie. So yeah, but see again, that's just me. That's just me. Like desperately looking for that. They don't really drive that home, and that's what like I wish when. Right. I wish when Venom had said, I want to save this planet because I like you, Eddie, there would have been like 18 more scenes of them liking each other. Instead, there was maybe like three. This was sequels are for. I know. But he 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 just, uh, you know, uh, went against his entire race for Eddie. So, yeah, that's how true. Come? How come? Right. Um, there was. Oh, gosh, I forgot it. I was going to go somewhere. Um, yeah. They play with the idea in the movie that the symbiote is actually poisonous to Eddie, that it's actually, you know, a, a carcinogenic agent in him. And that's why he wants to get rid of it. And then it seems to me, they just kind of dropped that in the movie. Did y'all notice that? Did I read I it right? Like the, the symbiote was causing him cancer and then just suddenly it wasn't anymore. They said at the very end, I'm hungry and your kidney looks really good. So you better find me some food. So, oh. like, so like if we don't continue to eat, I'm going to eat you. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. so it's kind of a spawn thing. You have to use your power, but you're also serving evil by using your power. Which might explain why all those test subjects also were slowly dying, even the ones that were quote-unquote working at first, because the symbiote was eating them, and all they were doing was feeding them fluids, they said. Oh, that makes uh, so much sense. But and, I don't and know the why. the symbiote kept getting sick whenever he was eating things that weren't prone yeah. to kill stuff. Now, why, now why, this, why those symbiotes didn't tell the homeless people, you know, feed me heads and... 
the homeless people didn't shout out loud, hey, feed me a head. I don't know. <laughs> but but yeah, that could be why they were dying, because they weren't being fed right. Okay, because in the comics, in the mid-2000s, you come up with the idea that Eddie Brock has cancer. Mm-hmm. And he's okay. actually... He's actually been quit with the symbiote for a while. There is a period where the symbiote is actually bonded with Mac Gargan, the scorpion. And so for a while, Mac Gargan is Venom. And he's a much more vicious, less, you know, anti-hero, noble character, um, which may have been an, an attempt to get Venom back to a more sinister tack. But Eddie Brock comes along, he has cancer, and he finds a way to purge the cancer through this like anti-venom concept that is weird. I've heard exactly how it works, but for uh, they do that for a while. So I didn't know if maybe they were teasing that idea in this. Mm. That's what I was wondering too. Cause I, but I also don't know enough about anti-venom. That's kind of past the day that I, you know, stopped reading comics. Right. But something I need to pick up and read through. I don't know. It doesn't sound like we need to read that, but <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong. Um, anti-venom. A couple of oh the, God. uh, the other symbiotes, so all of these characters, Riot, um, and some of the, the colorations of the symbiotes that we saw are very reminiscent of the separation anxiety or, or the was it lethal protector where they introduced, what was the name of that series where they introduced the, the five symbiotes from the Life Foundation? I don't think it's offhand. lethal protector, but um, I, I haven't read any of them in a long time. So I'd... Okay. Um, so Riot is one of the five, the Power Ranger type characters i mentioned earlier riot is one of them and was rather unremarkable like the rest of them um in the comics he actually tended to make blunt weapons like hammers or maces uh so that it was interesting to see in the movie that he made sickle weapons bladed weapons because that was another one of the characters in the comics uh deals phage tended to make bladed weapons um we saw a, a yellow symbiote in the movie that ended up dying off that could have possibly have been phage or scream one of the female characters. Editor's note. Joseph has just referred to Scream, a female symbiote. He is, of course, referring to Shriek. We just got the name wrong in the moment. We apologize profusely and are issuing full refunds to all symbiote listeners. Um, but speaking of Scream, when we see the crash scene in the movie, there's an EMT that goes to um, rescue the body, you know, and the symbiote takes over her as they're driving down the road and they crash. Uh-huh. You guys remember mm-hmm. I'm talking about the female character? Yeah. Her name in the movie is Donna Diego, which is the name of one of the symbiotes in the comics. Donna Diego oh. is is the Scream host in the comics. So I thought okay. that was kind of a cool little Easter egg to throw in there. And so, if I remember right, Scream is the one who runs around with Carnage for a while, like their friends. Yes. Are, right? So Lethal yeah. Protector Lethal Protector number four in 1993 debuted Scream, Lasher, Phage, Agony, and Riot. Yeah. So that's um, and the other from. symbiote was kind of a. I, I've seen some discussion about the symbiote being possibly toxin. One of the ones that came out that had kind of a bluish red hue. Um, doesn't really match the comics in terms of continuity, but possibly. There's a bit of an audio glitch, but you were saying um, that they did debut in the Lethal Protector series number four. All okay, five so, of them. Okay, that's so cool. Um, so we actually did get some hints. I thought, and I just didn't have the knowledge base for, but I thought that maybe some of the stuff I was seeing there was supposed to be hinting at other symbiote characters from the comics. So since we're talking Easter eggs, um, Eddie got fired from where in New York? Do we remember? Was it a they real thing? They I didn't thought they say. Said, I thought they said. Didn't they say? It was the Daily Globe? Yeah, I thought they said the Daily Globe. No, I don't know. I think that's what they did say, yeah. Okay, and then I was wondering if, you know that scene where he's like trying to find work again and everybody's turning him down? A few times he mentioned names. I didn't know if any of those names were names we should know, but I didn't recognize any of them. I didn't catch them if they were. All right. It wasn't like Tony Stark or anyone, so. No, it wasn't Tony Stark or it wasn't J. Jonah Jameson or anything, but. uh, I did think it was cool they based him in San Francisco because in the comics that is where he goes when he kind of, you know, calls kind of have his loose truce with Spider-Man for a time being. He becomes, you know, the anti-hero protector of the innocents or whatever. That's where Venom goes is to San Francisco. Cool. I feel like we just talked about a movie that took place in San Francisco. Cause I like when things take place in San Francisco. Cause that's where I grew up sort of, but uh, yeah. So that was cool to see. I do think he's a big trader for wearing a golden state warriors t-shirt if he's from New York, but whatever. 
That's, that's his business. That's his. Maybe he just got it for free. You need a shirt, right? You just put it on a, put on a shirt. Yeah. Because when you when you take baths in lobster tanks, sometimes you need a fresh shirt. <laughs> yeah. So the one character that uh, was really really important that we haven't really mentioned yet is his girlfriend, whose name is escaping me right now. Well, she's good at pushing a button. That's for sure. But that's all she did. What's her name, Joe? I, I, I don't remember from the... Because uh, it doesn't matter. Well, yeah. no, because she, she's a character. She's a comics character. Oh, well... Um, she is. She actually gets the symbiote briefly in the movie, which is a nod to her getting the symbiote for a while in the comics. Anne Wayne. But, yes. And they had a really uncreative name for her. Do Would you like to know what the she version of Venom is called? <laughs> She Venom? It's She Venom. I was right? Oh my god. I was just making a joke. Okay. Yeah. So I re- I remember the picture. I guess I never read the story. I never so read I, the story either. But I knew I it was like, a nod. It was kind of cool to see. Um, but yeah, really, I mean, she did so little, and I don't know. I don't know. She was just the girl, I guess, sadly. A bit. I mean, she's kind of his partner yeah. by the end of the movie, but it's not a huge thing. No. Yeah. The she venom bit was cool, but other than that, you know, just for flashy effect and an Easter egg, not too much of a character. I mean, I guess she brought the doctor into the story because she dated a doctor, and then the doctor can then like tell Eddie that something's wrong with him. So that's all important stuff. It sort is. Of. It is. I don't know. Even that is that important? Or we kind of know <laughs> something's wrong with Eddie, right? Did we need any of that? I don't know. And you know, great job, female character, for you know just bringing in more male characters that fix the problem. <laughs> yeah, why not make her the doctor? Oh, but she has to be the lawyer because then he steals the. Yeah, I guess she's the plot device. Yeah, I guess really she really does just serve their like he betrays her because that's the vehicle to him losing his life. Yeah, and then, uh, he, wants, and then he wants her back. She really is just a vehicle for his story. I found it interesting though that Venom didn't know who she was. Like, is Eddie able to hold back some things? Because he's like, who's the girl or whatever? And he, it's like, don't you know? You're a symbiote. You know English. You should know who the girl is. <laughs> but hey. It's a matter of knowing where to look yeah. in the brain. Um, but I would definitely see more of this movie. I, I would definitely watch a sequel. I would love to see Carnage. Um, I'm not sure what all we would do that was interesting beyond the big fight that Venom and Riot had at the end. Um but, Did you like that fight? I mean, it was fun. It's fun. It was yeah. it's predictable, fun fight. Yeah, it, remind, it reminded me of Abomination versus Hulk, kind of like yeah. Oh, which is what you said is when the movie turns into a cartoon. Yeah, it's so a video, video game time. Where's my controller? Okay, right. left, left, right, right. Ad, ad. I got him. Um, Mash yeah. all the buttons. But Venom sacrificing himself, sort of, but not really, was cool. Um, that's what we were just talking about in a comics issue where it's really silly for Mr. Hyde to think that the best idea for his powers is to steal a submarine. Um, how did Riot die? He thought the best use of his powers was to get into a rocket that Venom could then explode. Makes no right. sense. You should have just walked around and robbed banks. Right? <laughs> oh, well. Um, we are running kind of light on episode, but I'm also kind of running out of things to say. Okay, well, it let's talk about... a heavy movie. I want to talk about a couple things that I liked then, because so far all I've done is complain about it. And I did say this, negative movie Nancy. Is, this movie is like a B, I would say, for me, a B, B minus C plus maybe. OK, but here's a couple things. If you haven't seen it yet and you are a Venom fan and you're thinking to yourself, oh, there's no Spider-Man. This is stupid. OK, I I was I'm there with you in a way, because like to me, Venom is a very, very good Spider-Man villain. So if I was a Spider-Man fan, I think. I could see where someone would be like, oh, they're wasting Venom on making him an anti-hero already in his own movie with no Spider-Man connection whatsoever. When he could be like that villain I really like who knows Spider-Man's secret identity and all the people he cares about and his spider sense doesn't work on him and, you know, all that really fun stuff. But if you like Venom, this is definitely the best on-screen Venom we've ever had out of the two options because Spider-Man 3 is a horrible Venom and this is actually Venom. This is actually Venom. Right. You know, minus the, <coughs> excuse me, minus the whole lack of Spider-Man part, it felt like Venom to me. He moves like Venom. He sounds like Venom. He fights like Venom. So that was really fun. 
to see on the big yeah, screen. Yeah, for sure. I think this is like a much better representation of him. I right. I was so stoked for Spider-Man 3. I drove like three mm-hmm. hours to hit an IMAX. I couldn't have been more let down. I, oh, yeah. I remember walking out of that theater so pissed off and just like, what did I just watch? I think we must have seen it together because I had that yeah. exact feeling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, much better, much more of a, a Venom than the other. It, it felt, his character felt like Venom in terms of, you know, the, the weird humor and stuff that goes along with eating brains, you know, in your day-to-day routine. It, it was good. Yeah, when Venom first shows up on the screen, because it takes a while, like even before we see him, there's a lot of like symbiote fighting where it's mostly just Tom Harding with stretchy arms and stuff. Right. But uh, like when he finally shows up legit, I was happy. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I was saying, I really like the scenes where, like, I think the first one was where uh, Tom or Eddie Brock wants to go back to his old job and leave the phone for his boss to uh, rat out, um, you know, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he can't get past the security guard. So Venom offers to help him climb up the side of the building. And then, like, that was cool because now they're finally working together. And then Venom's looking around and commenting on how Earth is pretty up here and stuff like that. I like those scenes, like those kind of quieter moments where it's just the two of them, you know, talking about stuff. Instead, It of, is cool when you get a moment like that in a movie where – Yeah. And it, it, it's kind of the uh, – the problem with movies like Transformers and stuff where you get these giant awesome things, but they never have any humanity soaked into them. It's just mm-hmm. wrenching steel and shattering glass for, you know, an hour after act two. And it's just, ugh. yeah, you walk but out at least tired. In this movie, right. Exactly. At least in this movie, we got to have more of those moments. Mm-hmm. And, it, and you're right. The best parts did come in between Eddie and Venom having dialogue back and forth. Yeah. And like the taxi cab when he's like kind of telling Eddie, you know, you're probably going to die. So maybe you should apologize to her because you've never done that. That kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> and then the ending, like the last I would say, like, after the big explosion and Riot's dead and all that, and that entire bit at the end was all good from the moment, you know, he's talking to his girlfriend through where he eats the, the uh, you know, the robber or the protection racket guy. Um, all that was great. And then they're walking away, you know, kibitzing about, mm-hmm. whether, ven- about whether Venom is a parasite or whatever. Um, right. That made me want a sequel. So in that sense, the movie succeeds, I think. Like, I'd like to see another one. I'd like to see another one that doesn't have anything to do with space travel and invasion armies and stuff. Maybe something more down to earth. Like, but then again, we're probably going to get Carnage, I guess. But um, Carnage could fill that role really well if it becomes, you know, more of it's the humanity side that's the crazy mm-hmm. part, not the yeah. alien itself. The alien yeah, itself yeah. isn't just a device that causes slaughter, it's the human side of things that makes the problem. That could be really yeah. cool. Well, the especially since, power. since what's his name isn't Carnage yet. So, how's that even happen? Cletus right. Cassidy. Cletus Cassidy. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have him being in prison, and Eddie Brock comes in and visits him in prison. We could have something. Ve- we could actually have a nearly identical origin setup, where mm-hmm. somehow some of the symbiote gets left behind. Yeah, he has a baby. Yep. I mean, is, is that, that what is that what Carnage is? Is his offspring? Yes. Yeah, okay. through some weird asexual leave drips behind, and it's an organism reproduction. But- so is that just something that happens to symbiotes once a year or once ever or something? Something like that. And, and in the comics, the one of the big plot things is that the the parent symbiote hates the offspring. And so they constantly try to hunt them down and kill them. Um, yeah. So that became a thing between Venom and Carnage. And then Carnage had his offspring of Toxin. So con- Carnage is constantly trying to hunt down Toxin and kill him. Um, but yeah, that would be almost identical to the comics where you have this little drip that comes behind. And it, yeah, it would be marvelous yeah. to see. First yeah. off, that wig go away um, and Carnage envelop him. And then we just see Woody Harrelson just destroy half the city. I was pretty stoked that Woody Harrelson was in this movie. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty well-kept secret. And then the wig. Yeah, mm. that, that was a little unnecessary. Well, speaking speaking of the wig, there was, um, there was a character earlier in the film that I think was bonded to a symbiote they were calling Blue. And uh, he was a black man, but his hair was kind of big and, you know, fruity. Like, big. it reminded me of Cletus Cassidy's hair. And I was mm. honestly wondering if maybe he was going to be a different, you know, Cletus Cassidy. Like, they had this other guy who was getting symbiotified. He, maybe he was going to turn into Carnage. I actually wondered that for a good chunk of the film. Well, I guess not. Yeah, I guess not. He died. 
Nothing to say that nothing to say that Woody Harrelson is going to become Carnage either. <laughs> oh, except that except that it's the teaser at the end, and the first thing you see is the red hair shining like the moonlight. And he says, yeah, unless "When people I get stop, when I get out of here, listen. there's going to be carnage." <laughs> that that too. Uh, and if people just listen to us, you know, kind of shitting on the movie for the first, you know, twenty minutes or whatever we're talking here. So everybody, please go see this movie and buy copies of it multiple times. Order the outrageously priced ones on Comcast or whatever you got to do. Uh, we need a Carnage movie. Yeah, we do. And yeah. I think we were shitting on it. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, there's a lot to love and a lot to enjoy in this film. Um, the chase scene, the the car chase scene was was fantastic. Um, I don't know. I really liked it. Yeah. It reminds me of that movie, um, Dread. You ever see that movie? In the sense that like people were desperately wanting a sequel. But it didn't happen. So you guys got to try harder than Dread fans, I guess. You know, I like Judge Dread, and I've never seen any of the films. Well, or, or either of the films. Skip Stallone, but the other one was really good, I thought. Or Steve Stallone, I don't care. You like everything. You might love Stallone. <sighs> it is my curse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess you know we're 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 a bit shy of an hour. Probably about forty five minutes once I trim out the silences and such. Um, but you know. That's okay. So, um, Joseph, you actually you have some online presence you, that you that you have going on. Why don't you talk to listeners about what you got going on over there? Uh, I make a bunch of recycled aluminum longboards uh, under the name Beer Can Boards. Um, so, if you happen to longboard, skateboard, and you need a new ride, we make one of the best damn boards on the planet. Super durable. I myself ride them all the time, and I'm about 300 pounds, so it's not breaking, not going anywhere. Um, and in terms of my normal day-to-day life uh, that kind of ties me into all of this podcasting and stuff, I'm a science and math teacher, but one of the things I do at my school is I host a comic book and cosplay club in which we get together every year and we publish a book of student work, and we go to a conventions, and they get to get another cosplay and show off their work throughout the year. Um, so that's kind of one of my ways of getting back to the community and getting all these kids, you know, interested in things like comics and continuing onward, you know, with the legacy of keeping the nerddom alive. Right. And the website you said was beer can boards, beer can boards.com. Awesome. All right. Well, um, we're going to wrap this up and there is another episode out there for you to hear. It should be episode 30 featuring the first issue of the Avengers. So we have had the X-Men appear. We've had, now we're having the Avengers appear. So um, go check that out. Marvel Universe is expanding. Do we uh, have any new Marvel movies coming soon that we're going to be talking about? Or are we going to have to tap into like ancient times and, and have a special about something else? I don't think we have another Marvel movie until Captain Marvel. Which is when? Next year? Yeah, like March. Well, maybe we'll have to talk yeah. about... Uh, how about X-Men? We never talked about X-Men. We, we, we are, oh, we we are talking about X-Men. Now that we're on the comics, we should definitely talk about the movies. Okay, that sounds good. We need to call – let's call Sarah. Sarah. Oh, boy. Yeah. When does All the right. Phoenix movie come out? Oh, yeah, that is coming out. The Phoenix movie is coming out this year. They have tra- uh, trailers for that up. So that's – Yeah. Oh. Is that November, December? When is that? Honestly, I don't know. Phoenix movie. I'm asking Google right now, and it's not working. Maybe that's not what it's called. What is it called? Did you just search Phoenix movie? Yeah. (laughs) Did that not work? How about about Dark Phoenix? Dark Phoenix. Oh, Dark Phoenix. Uh, June 7, 2019? What? We're fine. fine. So next year. Was it really pushed back? We could talk about regular X-Men this year. Maybe catch up to it or something. Okay. I forgot that it was pushed back. There, There are reshoots taking place. So... Nothing new. Or, you know, we could maybe not talk about a movie. We could talk. We say not comics. We don't say only movies. So I don't know. We could do a TV show or a cartoon or something. All right. We'll figure it out, though. We will, we will have a conversation. Video game. That Spider-Man game just got launched. Oh. Pretty big hit. Oh, crap. I'd have to play it, though. And if I play that yeah. game, I'm never coming out. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're officially not podcasting anymore because we got the Spider-Man game now. <laughs> I would lose my job. <laughs> no, that means more kids in my class for math. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so that might be a bad idea. All right, we'll figure something out, though. So go check out our regular episode, new episodes every week on Fridays. Um, you can also find me over at johnreadscomics.com doing an Image Comics podcast, all the pouches, and Image Comics podcast. That happens uh, every month. And after the first of the year, I'll be starting a um, Japanese superhero um, audio commentary podcast on the first Super Sentai series with my son, who is nine years old. His name is Keenan. And uh, yeah, so we've got that coming down the pike as well. So I guess I guess that's it. Thanks again for being on the show, Joe. Yeah, of course, guys. This yeah, is awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, I guess y'all have a good night. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.